The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstalk Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink. And thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> What's up, guys? Back for the Bears-Pats preview for Monday Night Football. And uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed my mom and, and her picks. And I uh, would like to hear your feedback. But if uh, you give any negative feed you, feedback, I will track you down and make you wish you were dead. So be nice to mom, okay? Anyway... Here we are, Bears-Pats uh, preview. This is a very important game for the Bears, having lost three straight, having, you know, the, that Washington game being their last, you know, monument to when they took the field uh, on Thursday night football, you know, what will be 11 days ago when they take the field uh, against the Patriots, you know, but they've had time to reflect and listening to, you know, Eberflus in his press conferences this week, you have to think changes are coming. We've already seen one that I think all of us felt was uh, overdue that should have happened before the Thursday night game, but um, but you know it has been done, which means that we we have accountability, which is something that was sorely missing from the Nagy uh, regime uh, during their time. So um, we also have uh, Pat Lane from uh, the Patriot Nation podcast um, here to help us preview uh, the game, and uh, we have a nice long conversation. Uh, about it he is a fan uh, of Justin Fields and much like us Bear fans is kind of frustrated with how he's being used how he's not being used how things they are and are not doing uh, on the offensive side uh, of the ball we also have a pretty interesting conversation about Bailey Zappi uh, and Mac Jones and for context we had this conversation on Tuesday night and we're hearing today on Thursday Mac Jones is expected to play on Monday so I have uh, an interesting opinion about that. I'll share with you in news and notes here in a second. So uh, we got all of that and more. Let's go ahead and get the show started. This is the Week 7 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Our beloved return to the field on Monday night. 
and, uh, you know, with a lot to answer for, and, and I'm sure uh, a lot that they themselves want to prove not only to themselves, but to the rest of the world uh, as well, that the the example that they left on the field on Thursday night is not who the Bears are or who they want to be. Uh, they've got a tough task ahead of them with the New England Patriots uh, on Monday night with Bill Belichick and, uh, you know, with him being one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach uh, of all time, always finding a way to put his guys in the best position to come away uh, with the win. You know, he truly is one of those coaches that takes the season one week at a time. We've seen him do it so many times that over the years where they'll be a completely different football team. They'll they'll come out one week and, you know, when he had Brady on the team, they'd throw the ball 60 times because passing is what was going to win them the football game. And then we've seen many times where they focus on the run. They run the ball uh, 40 times because that is what his opponent uh, struggles with uh, the most. So he's going to throw that at you as much as humanly possible. Four rushing touchdowns later, New England comes away uh, with the win. So it'll be interesting to see what he's got on tap for the Bears uh, this time around. Uh, when the Bears and the Patri- Patriots take place uh, on Monday night. So getting into um, news and notes here. Um, good news, Bear fans. I'm sure you've heard by now, but Amir Smith-Marset, uh, his, his time in Chicago has come to a close. He was waived by the Bears on Monday, and of course he had those two disastrous plays in the in the Minnesota game, the block in the back that negated Justin Fields' 52-yard touchdown run and the fumble that ended the game when the Bears seemed to be driving to try and tie it, uh, you know, at the end of that ball game with the Vikings. And then fast forward to Thursday night, he's still on the team, he's still on the field, and drops a, an important fourth and 16 pass that literally hits him right in the hands, goes through his hands, and hits himself in the face mask. And if he catches that, he could easily run. Uh, for a first down and a huge conversion on a big, big drive. So uh, he has been let go. Uh, Isaiah Coulter, uh, another wide receiver who had an outstanding preseason. I think he was actually the leading receiver for the Bears during the preseason, has been elevated from the practice squad. And then the Bears signed uh, Samis Reyes, uh, a tight end, to take uh, Coulter's place on the practice squad, which essentially closed the door on Smith Marset returning because you know sometimes you, you you can't just demote a guy to the practice squad you actually have to you know cut him first and then sign him the fact that they signed uh, uh, someone to take his place uh, to fill in Coulter's place on the practice squad literally does kind of shut the door on the fact that uh, Smith Marset's time in Chicago has completely uh, come to a close um, and real quick, I was, you know, I, I wanted to wait a little later in the week before doing the uh, the Bears preview episodes because of the injury report. When I was releasing them on Thursday, I only had one day of practice to look at. Well, on, on you know, Thursdays, they would be, have Wednesday and Thursday practice. There's nobody on the injury report. It is a clean as a whistle. We have nobody nursing an injury or getting hurt in practice or anything like that. So no injury report this week. Literally nobody is on it right now. Now that might change tomorrow on Friday or in the walkthrough on Saturday, but right here, right now, the Bears are a fully healthy football team coming off the bye going into this game uh, against the Patriots. Speaking of which, um, as I mentioned before, uh, Mac Jones is being reported that he's expecting to play on Monday when they take the field uh, against the Bears uh, on Monday night. And to tell you the truth, 
between the two quarterbacks, Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones, I think I would prefer Mac Jones uh, on the field. Um, not because I think Bailey Zappi is the more talented quarterback, but uh, A, Zappi has something going right now. He played fairly well against the Lions two weeks ago. He played awesome last week against the Browns, 302 touchdowns, two touchdowns, or excuse me, 302 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, you know, a fairly efficient uh, day, ran the offense very, very well. Um, you know, he's got momentum and two wins uh, under his belt at the moment. Uh, and Mac Jones, on the other hand, haven't seen him since the Baltimore game uh, when he suffered that ankle injury. Maybe he's pressing to come back because he's in fear of maybe uh, losing uh, his job. He's rusty. He hasn't played in about a month and uh, and things like that. So, yeah, that's the guy that I would prefer to see out there uh, right now. Somebody who might be feeling the pressure, somebody who might be pressing, somebody who's going to try to make a throw he wouldn't normally try to make and squeeze one uh, into a window that the ball isn't uh, fit for and uh, have that benefit us with some turnovers and some mistakes and things like that. Now, that's not to say that Belichick wouldn't lose his patience with that real quick and throw Bailey Zappi out there if Mac Jones is going to play that way, but you never know what the benefit could be if the Bears could turn a couple of those Mac Jones mistakes into early points uh, for us. Uh, it might be too much, you know, too little too late when uh, by the time Belichick makes the change. So I'm just thinking best-case scenario uh, in that, but it's like if I had to choose between who are the t- who of these two quarterbacks do you actually want to see uh, on Monday night? I take Mac Jones every day of the week and twice on Sunday uh, because he's the one that's you know maybe not a hundred percent. He's the one that's maybe feeling the pressure. He might feel pressed to do something which could benefit the Bears greatly if they could take advantage. So I would actually prefer to see Mac Jones uh, on Monday. Now those might be words that I end up eating at some point, but wouldn't you feel the same? Do you want to see Bailey Zappi out there, who's playing very, very well right now, is kind of riding high, is going to have a ton of confidence after the way that he's performed the last two weeks, or would you rather see Mac Jones, who hasn't played played a month and, and might be feeling the pressure that his job could be taken from him because Belichick is that cutthroat when it comes to he's putting the best on the field no matter who it is. So I'll take Mac Jones in that situation over uh, Bailey Zappi. So that's how I feel about that. So, and then finally, with, uh, with the season going the way that it is and with the, um, future being, uh, what it is and, and, and what have you, the trade deadline is coming up, uh, next week and week eight is when the trade deadline comes. There's been rumors, uh, about maybe the bears being sellers, uh, in the trade market, uh, this year, I know with with the like today, who was it? Elijah Moore from the Jets, uh, second round pick from last year, unhappy uh, with the with the way he's being used and the kind of attention he's getting, demanded a trade from the team. The Jets have no plans to do so, but Bears Twitter is all all up uh, all up in arms. Like, hey, go get that guy, bring him in. You know, he's a second round pick. He's happy. He's not happy about being not being used and things like that. Bring him to Chicago. We need wide receiver help and and so on. I don't think the Bears are going to be buyers, not right here, not right now. So as 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 cool as that would be, if that's if something like that happened, we'd be trading away you know draft assets that we need in 2023. So I I think if if the Bears are going to be active in this trade market, we're going to be sellers. Um, right now, the heaviest rumors are surrounding Robert Quinn. 
that the Bears, you know, are, are actively taking calls and shopping him uh, at the moment. But there have also been, you know, articles and such released talking about, well, what about Roquan? What about Roquan Smith? You know, he's in the last year uh, of his rookie contract, not really playing to the point where, you know, we know what he wants and what the Bears are willing to give him. And those two numbers are pretty far apart. So since we might lose him anyway, why not get something for him now rather than, you know, lose him for nothing uh, in the offseason? Other interesting trade bait at the moment, um, Eddie Jackson, David Montgomery. Personally, I would not like to see either one of those guys not in a bare uniform. Monty would probably be more likely because he is also in the last year of his rookie contract. He's probably going to demand a little bit of money uh, on the market in the offseason. The Bears are likely to part with him anyway because of his price tag. Why not, you know, toss him to somebody right now and see if we can't get a, a you know, a day two or a day three pick uh, out of it as uh, as compensation. So it's it's interesting, you know, I, I'm, I would hate to see Robert Quinn go, but as you guys heard me and Lauren Cox talk about the other night, uh, it, it probably means more reps for guys like Travis Gibson and, and um, Dominique Robinson uh, off the edge, um, you know, in, in his absence uh, and everything. And both of those guys are playing better uh, than Robert Quinn is uh, right now. But granted, Robert Quinn's facing a lot of double teams uh, and everything at the moment because he had the year that he had last year. But, you know, if, if any one of those guys has to go, I'd vote Roquan one, excuse me, uh, Robert Quinn won, Roquan two. I would love to keep Eddie Jackson and David Montgomery. It's like I don't, I don't know that we'll have David Montgomery in twenty twenty three and beyond, but uh, I would at least love love to keep him on the team for now. So that is all I have for news and notes. So uh, let's go ahead and and bring in our guest Pat Lane from the Patriot Nation podcast, where he and I preview Week Seven Bears Pats. Monday Night Football. Week number seven has our beloved returning from their mini-buy and that disgraceful performance in those disgraceful uniforms on Thursday Night Football uh, against the Washington Commanders. Um, and we got another national TV date, hip, hip, hooray, that we get to watch this on national TV for the whole world to see again. This time on Monday Night Football when our beloved travel up to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. And here to help us preview that ball game from the Patriot Nation podcast, it's Pat Lane. Pat, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Larry. I appreciate it. I, uh, you know, you mentioned the uniforms. Like, I just don't. I don't get it, right? Yeah. Now, listen, the Patriots use their they use their throwbacks, which are great. They were I love awesome. The red uniforms so are fantastic. Yeah. Don't mess with the Bears. Why are you messing with the Bears uniform? Dude. What are you doing? Like, you they're are, gorgeous the way are. it is. Why are you messing with it? Preaching to the choir, bro. Preaching <laughs> to the choir. I mean, if anything, if they wanted to jump on the alternative helmet bandwagon, I was thinking more like copying the Bengals. And they went with the White Tiger Look, how about a polar bear? Look, let's go all white. Get a white hat and have the orange C, but with a navy trim instead of a white one. Keep the blue face mask. I mean, I think that's, that would be pretty sick. I, you know, I'd have been all about cool. that. But 
No, yeah. no, no. Plus, it's the classic white on white look. You know, the Bears used to wear the white on white on the road before they get the they came up with the dark pants uh, right. and everything. So it would just be this, you know, old school classic look with the white top on the. I thought that would have been awesome, but no. Not only did we have to go with the orange jerseys, which I hate more than life itself, uh, then we put orange helmets on it and just like oh. It was truly, truly it's, awful. It's just so it just bad. doesn't make sense. No. And you can even make an argument for the you can make an argument for the orange jerseys. I'll I'll hear the argument. <laughs> I'm sure you don't like them, but nope. at least like some people can argue they look good. You can't make the argument for the orange jerseys with the orange helmets. I mean, there's, yeah. just, there's zero people in the world <laughs> that thought that looked cool. Like I just, just I don't I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All the people that like the orange jerseys all listen to my show because they love to tease me about it. <laughs> they know how much they hate, and they know how much I hate them, and they can't oh, wait to great. just wail on me with the or hey, it's orange because we get to do it again next week against Dallas. It's crazy. Orange helmets, orange jerseys, all over again, and to be in my nightmare reborn. Well, so now, meanwhile, the Patriots get to wear their throwbacks three times, and they've already announced that they they obviously wore them against the Lions already. They announced that they're wearing them Thursday night football against. Um, against the Bills later mm-hmm. on in the season, nice. but they could wear them a third time. You are able to wear them up to three times. I know that after the throwback game against Detroit, the players were asking to wear them again. Yeah. Now, they did change the field to have the old Pat Patriot logo on it. I haven't seen them change the field back to the new logo. That doesn't mean that they haven't, but I haven't seen <laughs> video or t- or you know photographic proof sure. that they've changed it back to the new logo. It is possible now. It's Tuesday night, so it's possible things could change, but it is possible that you know come Wednesday or Thursday we might hear that the Patriots are wearing their throwbacks again on Monday night. Unlikely. It's unlikely that's going to happen, but it's at least possible. I'm holding out hope that that's the right. case. It would be pretty great to have the um, – it would be the Super Bowl twenty reborn. Well, that's kind of – so that's the only argument against, against it is it, like yeah. you really don't want to – I mean, that was just bad memories for Patriots fans. So, like, you know. But, yeah, I mean, it would be white tops, dark bottoms for the Bears, and then the old school red for the for the Pats with the Patriot pat on the side. Uh, yeah. and everything but yeah I was I was really digging the uh one because I was I, I do an NFL uh show as well and I was watching the highlights of the Detroit game and I was like man I miss these uniforms these things are oh, so, cool. so nice so they look nice. real nice yeah. so all right so uh fashion talk aside now let's talk football and um yes. when we spoke over the summer you were not necessarily optimistic with with how the season was going to go. You were thinking around 500, maybe eight and nine, somewhere in in that area. And here we are yep. going into week seven. Uh, the Patriots started one and three, but have won their last two, so they're at a dead even 500. So so far, you you're pretty much hitting the nail on the head as far as where you thought the Pats might be. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's kind of what I'm expecting. I mean, they have a little bit of a the schedule now. Now you know we'll see. Now you got the four and two Jets, so. They're looking pretty good. They mm-hmm. play the Jets twice, basically twice in a row, not not quite twice in a row, but they play the Jets. Then they have an uh then they play the Colts, I believe, and then it's an bye week and then the Jets again. So uh, you know, two out of three games, but you know, you got the Bears, you got the Jets, you got the Colts, you got the Jets again. Like you should be able to win a good amount of these games and you know and get some steam rolling mm-hmm. 
until the end of the season. The problem with the end of the season is that it's pretty loaded at the end of the season. You look at some of the, you know, you get the two Buffalo games, you got Miami again, you get Cincinnati's in there. So like they have a tough, they have a little bit of a tough road um, ahead of them, but that's why it's important for them to win some of these games that are winnable. Even Minnesota's five and one at this point, yeah. you know, I was going into Minnesota saying, Hey, you know, they, they should be able to win that game. And I still think they're better than Minnesota, but like, uh, you know, Minnesota's playing well right now. So yeah. it's like you got to try to win some of these winnable games if you're going to get to that 9-8, and eight, maybe even 10-7 and seven and sneak into the playoffs. Well, and that's kind of been the thing that's been going on this year with these surprise teams with the Jets and the yeah. Giants. And you're sitting there and you're looking at, uh, you know, the teams that they have. And, and same thing with the, the Vikings. And they're like, this is all going to come crashing down at some point, right? And then they go out the next week and they win again. It's like, oh, I don't know, man. It's like I just like every time I think this is going to be the game where it's like, okay, we're back to reality here. It's the Daniel Jones led Giants. We're gonna, you know, it's like no, we're just gonna go ahead and and beat the Ravens and come from behind, or we're gonna beat Green Bay in London, and it's like, okay. Well, that's I mean, you know, this weekend, just this weekend, right? You had the Jets beating the Packers on the road. Yep. You had the. Uh, uh, yeah, the Steelers beating Steelers, the Bucks. Thank you. Steelers beating the Bucks. I couldn't. And then uh, the Ravens losing to the Giants. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Right. Like, the, the fact that that happened, you're like, are you kidding me? Oh, trust me. I felt the effects, man. Like I said, I do an NFL show, so I make my picks every week. Right. And uh, <laughs> I was five and nine this week because I started the started the week zero and. 0 oh, and seven, zero oh, and eight. Like I got the first eight games wrong across the board. Like I didn't get oh, a man. win until Cincinnati finally beat the Saints, and even that one was in doubt until the end of the game. Well, right, and then you got Atlanta too, knocking off yes. San Fran. So it's, it's like so, you know like, what is going on. Right, no and one has any idea what's going on. Foolishly, you know? I couldn't think of like man. Well, the Cleveland Browns—they're at home. Bailey Zappi—can he do it again? I mean, they was the—it was the Lions last week. Of course, they did well. In the the, the Browns, it's like yeah, they're here today, gone tomorrow, kind of team. As far as like how when they show up to play, right. they're at home. It's like you know, it was like I toiled over it, and then you guys went and kicked kicked the crap out, it made me look like an idiot for going with Whoa. Cleveland because they were the home team. But you know what, though, we did kick the crap out of them at the end. Yeah, but. That's we right. Really didn't. Yeah, I mean, it pulled was, out, pulled away at the end with like two late, yeah, it was, two, it, two late it uh, was turnovers. Tw- right, it was twenty four fifteen, and if they get that two point conversion, it's twenty four seventeen. Right, and and you're looking at a one score game, and then they recover the onside kick, which of course gets overturned because the guy's out of bounds, which he clearly was out of bounds. I mean, but it's right. just like you got you know, either way, a few good you know a few of those breaks go against the Patriots instead of for the Patriots, and you know we're talking about a one score game or even a tie game if they get the two-point conversion. So, like, it's just funny how things work out that way, and the Patriots luckily were able to hold on, and, and the, the Browns just pooped all over themselves, and <laughs> we were able to take advantage of that. So it worked out. But, I mean, I mean, the second fumble by Brissett was just like, he just dropped it. He didn't even, like, didn't get hit. He just dropped the ball yeah. as he was throwing. <laughs> so it's just so, like, you got to be kidding me, you know? Yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, pretty interesting because I, I was watching the – the condensed highlights on YouTube. So I'm watching like a 12 minute version uh, of the game. And I'm like, this game was 38 to 15. It's like, when are the Patriots going to finally pull away here? And then it was, they scored that touchdown to make it 24 to 15. The whole thing with the onside kick and, you know, you guys get that, you punt to them. And then it really takes off because the kid muffs Mm -hmm. the punt 
You guys yep. recover that. You score a touchdown. First play. Yeah. First and play then touchdown. Brissett, yeah. his, his other fumble there, and like, oh, scoop and score uh, for that one. It's like, okay, there it is. They pulled mm-hmm. away late. And here I was. You think about the score, 38-15. It's like, okay, so they must have, you know, dominated and Cleveland got a garbage touchdown at the end uh, or whatever. But it's like, no, actually, this thing was pretty tightly contested right up until the end, and then Cleveland just gave yeah. it away. Well, what's crazy to me is that, you know, you hear that it's tightly contested, which it was. The Browns ran the ball like four times in the second half. It just yeah. made zero sense. You have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. <laughs> just hand the ball off on every single play. Like, yeah. what are you doing? You know, and not only that, but like Jacoby Brissett, your quarterback, which I love Jacoby Brissett, but he's a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You should be running the ball 60% of the time, all of the time. Mm-hmm. Even if you're losing by 10 points, it doesn't matter. You're going to get back into the game by running the ball and taking control of the game. It just it made no sense. Yeah, I mean, I've I've uh, I've seen that sometimes you just can't quite wrap your head around what the strategy is. Like, you right. know, do you have that little faith in your offense that a 10-point lead might as well be 100 in your right. eyes because you're throwing the ball uh on every play. It's like, okay, you've got Amari Cooper and and Njoku and all that kind of stuff, but you've also got Belichick on the other side who's got everybody's number one way or the other. Right. So who do you think he's going to go after in the passing game and, and, and all that kind of stuff? So it's, you know, it was uh, it was quite the quite the uh, quandary watching them run the ball with fingers left over at the end of the game, you know, with, with, with the amount yeah. of times they uh, they ran it. I mean, the, the Bears did that once against the uh, the Saints a couple years ago. And on, on all days, it was Walter Payton bobblehead day. Oh we ran the ball gosh. seven times in the whole game against the Saints. Twice in the second half in a game that was a one-score game until deep into the third quarter. Trubisky threw the ball 54 times. It's like, this is how you're going to beat the New Orleans Saints. Good for you. So it, it just it boggles <laughs> the mind what the strategy actually was there uh, when you've got David Montgomery, a healthy David Montgomery and all that kind of stuff. It was it was unbelievable to sit there and yeah, watch that watch that happen. So, but when I was watching the Lions game, um, it really felt like the game was closer on the field than it was on the scoreboard. I mean, maybe it just was the out of context of watching a super condensed version of the game with the highlights and everything. But when I was watching the highlights, it seemed like the Lions weren't playing poorly. It's just that you know. They they were making mistakes. Goff threw the the interception and uh, you know they turned the ball over. There was a, a strip sack and, and things like that. But it just looked like the play was closer on the field than it was on the scoreboard. And you guys just kept taking the points with the field goals one after another. And you know Detroit just couldn't put it together. That's a hundred percent what happened. I mean that's it's funny because it's similar, right? Obviously a different game, but a similar situation. I mean the coaching just made no sense. I mean you get the ball. They had the ball at the 45-yard line at their own 45-yard line, and it's fourth and two, and you're going for it on the first drive of the game. It just makes no sense. And so, you know, and especially since if you punt it back to him, they got Bailey Zappi, who's making his first NFL start. Yeah. And and you don't trust your defense against that, right? And so, like, you go for it. You don't get it. Now the Patriots are up 3-0. Then you're driving again. Patriots pick him off. They drive down and kick a field goal. Now it's 6 nothing. So, like... So, you know, it's just it was the kind of the same thing over and over again and they go for it now. What's crazy, what's funny about the about the strip sack is that 
the play before, did he take a sack to play? No, 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 he didn't take a sack to play before. They ran like a sweep to play before. It was like third down and nine or something, let's just say. And they were right on the fringe of field goal range. And they ran like a sweep, and it got it, uh, Dietrich Wise is there and kind of blew it up. And so the guy kind of went backwards. You should never do, but he went backwards, and Adrian Phillips tackled him for like a seven-yard loss. So now you lose seven yards on the play. So now you're out of field goal range. And I think that they're, I think their starting kicker sucked, so they cut him, and they're dealing with, they're dealing with bad kickers. So like, all right, we're not going to attempt like a 57-yard field goal to the open side of the stadium. It's just that's you're just asking for it, right? Mm-hmm. That's into the wind. It's like bad. So they end up going for it instead of again trying to punt it and, and pin the Patriots down deep. And Goff gets strip sack and they return it for touchdown. And so like, and that changed the whole game because yeah. now you're like, oh my god. And then not just that. They get the ball back, go three and out, and the Patriots get the ball back and kick a field goal, and then they get the ball to start the second half and then score a touchdown to start. The second. So it was like. Game was over at that point. Like right. it just like it it snowballed quickly, but the game wasn't as far off as it seemed. Like at the end, at the beginning of the game, the Lions were moving the ball. Yeah, they just couldn't get the ball in the end zone, and they couldn't pick up those first downs. I mean, zero for six on fourth down is crazy. They just couldn't pick up those first downs when they needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Patriots defense, you know, stiffened up when they had to and got a few big turnovers when they did. And but that strip sack changed the whole game, right? And it right. really kind of it's one of those funny things where it's like. Sometimes those plays that get missed, if they run a, a, a dive up the middle and the guy picks up four yards, they're kicking the field goal. That never happens. That that strip sack, that strip sack never happens. But because they run the play they did and because Wise makes the play he does and Adrian Phillips makes the play that he does, then they have to go for it on fourth down instead of punting it. Strip sack, boom, it's a touchdown, and then all of a sudden, you know, the game's off the rails, you know? so Yeah. Yeah, because when I'm sitting here and I'm watching this and I'm watching the score get bigger and bigger, it's like... I don't think Detroit's playing poorly right now no. as far as like their product on the field and, and, and everything, right. but it's like this this game is just getting away from them, and it's just like I don't really see that, you know, I didn't see a 29 to nothing game on the field, but it certainly just kept happening to where, you know, you guys were taking the points every time, kicking the field goal. Every time they had an opportunity, they found a way to blow it, whether it was because you guys made the play or they made a stupid decision like trying to go for it on 4th and 16 instead of punting it and pinning you guys deep uh, or something like that. It just didn't seem like when it came to an A or B decision, um, Campbell chose C every time somehow. Yeah. You know, it's like the- I mean, they had, they had 330 yards of offense. They moved the ball. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure they had more offense. They had... Uh, a little bit less offense than the Patriots. Patriots had three fifty, but but they had close to the same to the same amount of offense the Patriots had. Yeah, that makes sense. So, but based on like like I said, when I was watching the highlights, it was like on the field this looks like a pretty even game right. as far as like the the back and forth. But it's just like the Patriots capitalized on every opportunity. The Detroit capitalized on none, and it actually gave right. away a few opportunities uh, in that game. So it was just kind of exactly. weird watching this game it's like yeah this is pretty yeah. good back and forth and it's like oh yeah but it it's three now it's six now it's nine 16 right. 20 stu- okay this one's over with you know yeah just just kind of really just got away from detroit uh right. on that one so yeah so let's talk about the two losses uh real quick because honestly coming into the game one and two i did not expect you guys to take green bay down to the wire like that and and it was it was kind of interesting because 
after the game, I was like, does that say more about the Patriots or does it say more about Green Bay? Because they, you know, no Devontae Adams. They're kind of missing some pieces. Yeah. Rodgers is kind of struggling to be Aaron Rodgers right now. So, you know, was was Belichick able to just find the golden ticket and, and shut him down or keep close or whatever? Or is like, are the Patriots turning it around and this was kind of the game, like a moral victory, if you will, to almost beat Green Bay in Lambeau because it catapulted you to two wins after that. Right. Well, and it's, what's funny about that game, so I actually went to that game. Uh, yeah, I read that on your Twitter. It, how was how was Lambeau? Lambeau? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal for anyone that, you know, well, you guys are Bears people, so you play them, you play them twice a year. Mm-hmm. You know, if anyone hasn't been, you got to go. It's on it's my just, bucket list for sure. Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's so cool. The The tailgating experience is unbelievable. We stayed at Airbnb right on the water. It was fantastic. We tailgated like right outside the stadium in someone's front yard. We did a t- stadium tour the next day, which leads you onto the field. That's what's like. It's just, it it was so cool. And the people in the stadium were pretty nice. There was one drunk guy who was like trying to get in fights and whatever, but he There's was the only one. one. Yeah, you know there is. I mean, it's like that's that's the way it is everywhere. But like you know, the Pete, the fans were great. Like it was, it was a lot of fun, and it was just like the the history of that place is so cool. You know. Yeah. And I just thought the Patriots were going to get smoked. And I'm like, I don't even care. Like, whatever. They don't have Mac. It doesn't matter that they lose. Who cares? And then they, like, played well. And we said after the game, we're like, the Packers kind of suck. They're not that good. Like, they're just, they're okay. Mm-hmm. But they, they make stupid plays. The the pick six that Rodgers threw was awful. Just an awful throw. Um, and just a bad decision all around. They just made poor decisions. And then, you know, Rodgers... In overtime was Rodgers for two plays, and that was enough, you know. And it just, it just so happened that that it happened in overtime, and so the Patriots lost. But it was like, it was a solid game, and I think it did show the Patriots a little bit, like, hey, we can play with anyone, no matter who is starting a quarterback, we can play with these guys, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I think that, I think it was a good loss for the Patriots. I know I walked away from that game feeling better about the team than I did going into the game. So. You know, and of course they had just lost to the Ravens the week before in a game where, you know, they were down five with the ball in the red zone twice and turned it over both times. And you just like, yeah, you had it and you blew it. And it's like you were right there, right? And so um, that, of course, is frustrating. Of course, one of those was a throw by Mac, but it's like, you know, it's funny because the the interception by Mac in the end zone on, in that Baltimore game is like to me that's. 50% on Devontae Parker didn't even run a route that play. And Mac is just thinking he's got inside position on him. If I just throw it up, he can at least try to go get it. Right. I don't necessarily agree with his decision there. I would have just thrown it away and taken the points, but I, I get at least see what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tough when your right receiver, right receiver doesn't run a route, you know? So it's just like, you know, it is what it is, you know, and the Nelson Aguilar fumbles and, and they lose the game. And it's like, you know, so we walk out of that game like kind of pissed, you know. Now we're now we're one and two, and you know not looking good, and things aren't things aren't looking great. And you know then you go into Lambo and play the way you played, and now here we are three and three. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been interesting watching you know the 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 turnaround with the you know the win over the Lions and and twenty nine to nothing. So leaving very little doubt as far as like right. you know well it was the Lions you know or anything like well they beat them twenty nine to nothing. That's what you're. That's what you're supposed to do when you play a team that's right. not as good as you are. You're supposed mm-hmm. to beat them like that. And same thing with with Cleveland, you know, who can't figure out who they are from week to week. And, you know, you, they're the team that last week took the Chargers all the way down 
uh, to the wire, missed a field goal at the end of the game, and that's basically why they why they lost kind of thing. And then, you know, they come out the next week against you guys and you plaster them all over their own field, especially at the end there. Yeah, and, you know, the, the thing for me is that, you know, the Lions, as bad as the Lions are, and they're not good, they had the number one offense in the league. They were scoring 43 points a game mm-hmm. right through the first four games of the season, and the Patriots shut them out. You know, and and now they move the ball a little bit, but they weren't able to get in the end zone. And that's a testament to the Patriots defense because, you know, they were opportunistic and they made plays when they needed to and and they did what they had to do. And they stuffed that running game. And I know DeAndre Swift was hurt. So, of course, that makes a difference as well. But Mm -hmm. still, you know, they didn't have Swift or Monra St. Brown the week before and scored 40 points against the Seahawks. So, like, you know, yeah, of course, guys are missing. So that hurts. But, like, you scored without those guys before, it stands to reason you'd be able to do it again. And so, you know, you're impressed with that from the Patriots. And then I was worried about Cleveland's running game, and yes, they didn't run a lot in the second half, but they really couldn't run much in the first half either when they wanted to. And so, like, you know, the Patriots were able to stop the run and without necessarily bringing in, you know, big fronts, and that is something that I think is key for the Patriots. If they can stop the run with, fronts that aren't big and are Mm -hmm. still like pretty fast and athletic that is going to be the difference here because if you know judon can play the run like he played it this week and godshaw can do what he did and barmore we'll see if barmore is healthy or not but like you know if their d line and their front you know six or seven can play well enough against the run that you can bring up adrian phillips and have him play in the box and now he's he's playing essentially linebacker in the box to help with the run but he's also fast enough to go out and cover someone. That's a huge advantage to you if you can do that, right? And the Patriots were able to do it last week against the Browns. Now, who knows if they'll be able to do it every week. But if they can, that makes it a formidable defense. And then it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback because you can stay in those games. You may not be able to win them all, but you mm-hmm. can stay in games if you have a good defense. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine that this is going to be the week that uh, Belichick uh, has about 10 guys in the box, daring us to throw <laughs> the ball because in six games we've proven we hadn't do it yet. Um, so I, I just imagine that you know he's the he's the king of taking away what it is that you do well and daring you to right. basically play left-handed, if you will. So um, you know he's he's going to take away the run, or at least he's going to scheme it so that we're going to have an extremely difficult time running the ball and daring us to throw it you're going to challenge Justin Fields to win the game for us and then I don't know how that's going to go even after the bye and all the things the Bears say that they're fixing I don't know how that's uh I don't know that's how it's how it's going to go and I'm I'm frankly not looking forward to it uh too much I would I would assume and I don't know but I would expect someone to be spying Justin Fields at all times now whether that is you know, Peppers or that is Duggar or that is, you know, a guy like Mac Wilson. I don't know. But to me, the only way the Bears can beat the Patriots is if Justin Fields puts on a crazy performance, runs for like a 65-yard touchdown, you know, breaks one or something like that and does that one or two times. Then that's a situation where, okay, yeah, the offense is struggling to play and now – Fields can kind of turn the game. He has that type of athleticism. They haven't used him in the passing game, which makes no sense to me. I just, I don't understand it. I know people are saying like his reads aren't great or whatever, but like, I don't know. He showed he could do quite a bit at Ohio state. So I don't know why he can't do anything now. It just doesn't seem to make sense to me that it wouldn't translate. I know what's different. I know, but like, 
you would think you're playing big time college football. You're making he was the highest rated passer on his second or third reads coming out of the draft that year. So like mm-hmm. he can do that, right? Yeah. He can do those things. So it's like it stands to reason he'd be able to at least do it at a mediocre clip in the yeah. NFL. And, you know, they're having – you guys are just having such a hard time just throwing the ball at all mm-hmm. and a lot of times just outright refusing to throw the ball, yeah. right? And so – but, you know, where fields can do these things and where, like, we've seen guys like Deshaun Watson and, and you know, and Jalen Hurts and other guys like that that, okay – Sometimes we don't even have to win with our arm. We can win with our legs. Mm -hmm. And we can go back there to pass, and there's nothing there. And all of a sudden, oh, we see a seam, bam, and we're gone for 65 and a touchdown. And it's like now the defense, like, oh, crap. Like, we got to worry about him and all this. So I would anticipate that the Patriots will be spying him for sure all game. I would think on every single play you'd have someone that's just paying attention to Justin Fields because that's like the one thing you can't let the Bears do to you. Well, I, I agree, and and I think that uh, it was our old coach, Lovey Smith, who kind of opened the eyes uh, of everyone or to everyone about how it is you can stop our, our um, boot game because he, what he did was he just had one of his guys come off the edge. If you're on the side that Fields is, is booting to, just keep coming. Don't right. bite on the fake. Don't f- go with the running back. Just keep coming, and he won't have the time to turn the corner and read the field and find a receiver or anything like that. Cause the, um, the, the Texans did it and we had a hell of a time with that. The giants did it the following week and were, you know, constantly on, on fields, uh, in that one, the, the, um, the, the Vikings were more of a get home with four kind of game. And then this past yeah. week, uh, with the, with the, the, I was going to say Redskins again, commanders, uh, they yeah. did the same thing. They were more of a get home with four type thing, but the Bears also didn't boot him out uh, against the Commanders. They kept dropping him back, making him a pocket passer against one of the more ferocious front fours the league has to offer, and that's what didn't make any sense to me. Fields yeah. should have been all over the field in that game as far as booting left, booting right, uh, and things like that against a team that's going to try to get home with four, and we just didn't do that. We tried to make him the seven-step drop pocket passer and what do we have to show for it and three red zone trips no points and 190 yards passing which sadly is one of his highest totals for the season thus far so I mean it it was frustrating to watch but it's like I imagine with you guys running the three four you're going to have guys coming off the edge I imagine that's probably going to be Belichick's strategy too if you're on the edge that Fields is booting to just keep coming don't bite on the fake we'll let the other 10 guys worry about the other 10 guys You've got fields right. on this one. Just keep coming. And yeah. it'll be a one-on-one thing. And, you know, just remember, on the play, he's got his back to you until he turns around to see you. So you've got all that time while he's got his back to you to make a ground on him, and he's got to react to you after he turns around. He's at a disadvantage there. So just keep coming, right. and you'll be able to make the play, or you'll disrupt it enough that he won't be able to make one. Right. So. Right. But, I mean, that's what yeah. Lovey did, and it worked, and people have been following it ever since. It's just so surprising to me because you feel like you should be able to. And Eberflus is a guy that, you know, like, he came from the Packers, right? He came from the Packers. I'm not wrong about that. The Colts. Right? The Colts. Okay. Oh, he was nice. in Dallas, okay. too. So, but he was in Dallas, right? Yeah. So, you at least, like, you feel like you have – I mean, Dak Prescott is, is seems like a decent comp, 
where you'd mm-hmm. look at it and say, okay, Prescott can move a little bit. He's maybe not – Dak may not run quite as much as some of the other quarterbacks, but he can. And, like, so you'd think, you know, that's the type of offense you're looking for. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that they just don't like what they see from Fields. I don't know. But, like, to <clears> me, <throat> I just feel like – and I don't know. Maybe you can speak this, but I, I – I just feel like if he's the guy and you think he is the guy, just open it up for him and yeah. just say, go out and throw 35 passes and see what happens. And, you know? that's and what, if we lose, we lose. But that's what, what I doing? was hoping we'd see against Washington was that after right. the way that he seemed to kind of turn a corner a little bit against Minnesota, especially in that second half, that it's just mm-hmm. like put the ball in his hands. Let's see what he does. You know, let's see what happens. Instead, you do the seven-step drop against one of the better, you know, run, you know, uh, rush with four pass rushes in the in the league, and he got picked apart. And what's really been the problem is that uh, and I forget who it was because I would love to remember who it was so I can give him credit for it. But the his 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 story what his uh, saying was when it comes to the Bears' offense, every play tells its own story. You know, right. sometimes it's Fields just hanging on to the ball too long. He's trying to look for one of those Ohio State windows to throw into as far as, like, his guy's got six steps on the defender so yeah. he can throw it 80 yards downfield kind of thing. On this play, the offensive line completely fails, and before he can even finish his drop, he's being harassed by every pass rusher on the field. On this play, um, the offensive line did its job, but Khalil Herbert is horrible in pass protection. The linebacker <laughs> shot right past him, and there's your thing here. Uh, you know, one play fields uh, left just as the receiver was getting open. So if he waits another half second, that guy's open. He throws the path. It's one thing after another. It's like we're failing across the board. So it's like I would love to say that it's as soon as the offensive line gives him time, Justin Fields is going to explode. It's like, well, right. there have been plenty of opportunities where the offensive line has done its job, and we've either the receivers didn't get open, he didn't like the read, he hang on to the ball too long. It's it's always something. That, that kind of hinders the the passing game. But when it comes to the running game, you know, there's not a whole lot of time to screw around, turn around, hand it off, he takes off, he either gets the yardage or he doesn't uh, kind of thing. So I don't – maybe it's simplicity because, I mean, what's more simple than running the football? Maybe you need to Very simple true. and dumb down, the, uh, dumb down the offense a little bit as far as the concepts and what you're trying to do. You know, maybe they're just trying to do too much uh, on a particular, uh, you know, play, play in and play out that uh, – you know, that's what's holding the offense back. But, you know, it's like the we have one of the better run attacks in the league and then the absolute worst passing game in the NFL. It doesn't get any lower than ours. So it's, it's, yeah, it's been it's interesting. Pretty well. I'll tell you what, I'm rooting for Justin Fields. I am not on Monday night, obviously, but I am rooting for Justin Fields. Uh, he's a guy that I loved coming out of the draft last year. He was the he was my number one quarterback coming out. Of the, well, he wasn't my number one quarterback because Trevor Lawrence is like a generational talent, right? But like he was my number two quarterback coming out of the coming out of the draft last year. Yeah. I thought that he had the best chance out of all those second tier guys to be the best, to be like everything, and to be that new age quarterback that can run and can throw, and can be accurate, and, can, like, he had all of those traits. And the question is, like, and what we don't know is that, was he throwing into tight windows? Was he only good because the Ohio State guys were always wide open? Yeah. And he was comfortable making those throws. Now, he was super accurate, but was he super accurate because the guys were like had three steps on the guy every single time and they were always open and you could always get them the ball. Like, I don't know the answer to that question, but like 
is that why he was so accurate in college, right? Or like, is it something like Josh Allen where, I mean, Josh Allen, you know, the hard thing is that you have a guy like Josh Allen who completely ruins quarterback. He just ruins it. Like mm-hmm. quarterback scouting is done yeah. because Josh Allen couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat when he came into the NFL. Right. Like he couldn't, yeah. you know, and now he's one of the most accurate passes in the, in the league and, you know, arguably the best player in the league, right? Like it's crazy. And that three years ago, he couldn't complete a pass to save his life. So it's like, what the hell? You know, if yeah. he's got the talent. And so Fields has all these tools. He's got the arm strength and he's got the accuracy and he's got the wheels, obviously. Right. And you're like, man, like he could do that. But like, will he? I don't know. You know, and so it's like maybe he will. Maybe year three, all of a sudden he's going to magically be better. And like, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but it's just like it's crazy. like I said. I'm rooting for him just because I want to be right. <laughs> and so I'd like for him to be good. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, obviously Bears fans have a little bit more invested than I do just right. than just wanting to be right. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti can cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit... Our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstock Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sportsdrink. And thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. You know? Well, you know what, man? It's 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 that that's where you know Twitter kind of becomes a nightmare place to to spend some free time because you know you either have people who are on the he has no weapons trained, which is true. Right. He doesn't really have a, he doesn't have a supporting cast, which is why the passing game uh, is suffering. Like I said, sometimes those guys just flat out don't get open, and that's why he's standing in the pocket for twenty eight seconds waiting for somebody to get open and you know on 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 one of those plays where he should tuck it in and take off he's waiting for somebody to get open and then there are those plays where it's like oh nobody's open boom boom you know on under the first second he's he's taken off uh running uh kind of thing and like i said we were talking before we started recording the bears have the highest salary cap space in the league going into 2023 now i don't know who's going to be available in the wide receiver uh, market and everything, and with the way that we're playing, we're going to be in a pretty good spot to draft a very talented wide receiver uh, out of college right. uh, and whatnot. Yeah. And and you know, a lot of people who who talk about Josh Allen say, "Well, everything changed for him when the Bills traded for Stephon Diggs. When he finally yeah. had an elite level receiver to throw the football to, all of a sudden his productivity, his accuracy, everything else went up when he had you know a high level talent to throw." the ball to. So it's like some people are kind of leaning on that, that if we can get our own Stefan Diggs for year number three, which is when Allen added 
digs to, to Buffalo and everything, that, that maybe that could help close the gap from where we are to where we want to be uh, kind of thing right. as far as the, the offense goes. But that doesn't help us now. And, no. you know, the, all of the other ugly speculation is that this is not a quarterback that Ryan Poles and, and Matt Eberflus drafted. And also, like I said, we're playing our way into a spot to draft a pretty talented wide receiver. Well, their mentality might be, well, let's go ahead and draft our guy. If, you know, we get a high enough draft choice, a third or a fourth, depending on who who you believe when they try to do mock drafts in week seven uh, already. Right. Yeah, right. But, you yeah. know, maybe we end up getting one of those, you know, Bryce Young or somebody falls to us uh, in the first round or something. You're going to pass on Bryce Young to hang on to this guy or, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, that becomes the the argument all of a sudden. I'm not looking forward to the offseason at all, especially no. if the Bears end up with a top five uh, pick. Well, yeah, right. You, you run into a Josh Rosen situation. Now, Rosen, I mean, has never even played in the NFL. So, like, maybe I would hope Justin Fields is better than Josh Rosen, but he gets drafted in the top ten, at, which Justin Fields was not, drafted number 11, right? Mm-hmm. Rosen gets drafted at number 10. And, you know, the next year, Cliff Kingsbury takes over and says, nope, I want my guy, and drafts, you know, and drafts uh, – Josh Kyle Murray. By the way, did you know Cliff Kingsbury didn't have a 500 record in college either? Oh, I do. I mean, know that. that's, yeah, that's completely insane to me. That's yeah. completely off. That track, must have been I, one I hell of an interview, week. man. One I heard hell that of an this week, and I was like, "What in the world? Yeah. Who? How the hell did he get hired?" But, um, but you know, but it, I just think it, it's it's really going to be interesting to see what they're going to do, right? And again, like, yeah, it's not their guy. Then you're going to have to make a decision. Now, the nice thing about it is that either you can decide to play one more year, you can get another guy. When you're the coach and the GM, you can look at it and say, all right, we're going to try to believe in this guy. We're going to believe in this guy for one more year. Mm-hmm. Because really, you invested two years of first-round picks into him, right? Yeah. It was the number 11 pick, but you invested two years of first-round picks into this guy. We're not going to get rid of him just yet. Yeah. Unless you look at Bryce Young as a generational talent who's sitting there for you at three or four or five or wherever, the, wherever they end up, right? And maybe they'll end up higher than that and, and Fields will prove himself. But if he doesn't, you know, maybe you'll do that. But if you're the coach and GM in that situation, you say, hey, look, he's not my problem. I'm going to try to make it work with him, mm-hmm. and we're going to try to build the team around him and see if we can get him to that point. And if we can't, then we're going to cut bait. Yeah. And you should have your owner on your side – <laughs> right? So you yeah. got a little bit of leeway. Those quarterbacks can really kind of buy you sometimes. Look at Frank Reich's a great example of that. Frank Reich just like is like, ah, we're just we're just a good quarterback away. And they keep trying to bring in a good quarterback, and every year the quarterback sucks. And it's like, well, <laughs> at some point, do you think maybe it has something to do with the coach that they're not good? You know, like, and it's just but you can buy yourself some time with a quarterback. So if you don't draft a quarterback this year, you almost give yourself another year where I can draft the young quarterback the next year, and then I'll have two years after that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, it's just it's all <laughs> posturing and trying to buy yourself some time and whatever. Yeah. It's it's a whole thing that sucks. You have to deal with it, unfortunately. You know right. what I mean? The Patriots have been lucky. Patriots have been extremely lucky, right? We went through it in 2020, and it sucked. You know, with Cam Newton, a quarterback, and, you know, whatever. And they draft Mac Jones in 2021, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy's this kid's pretty good. We make the playoffs. And they draft Bailey Zappi in 2022. Matt gets hurt, and then Zappi comes in, and now everyone in New England's got Zappi fever, and we're like, oh, my God, two years in a row. Someone tweeted out, like, how is it possible that Bill Belichick drafted the best quarterback in two straight drafts? <laughs> like, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, oh I, mean, my God. 
I mean, and and what was interesting for me was that I was watching the "Hey Rookie, Welcome to the NFL" series on e, on NFL yeah. Network. I think it was, and and Zappy yeah, was Zappy, like right? the one quarterback in the in the show. And of course, he doesn't because he went to Western Kentucky, a smaller school. He threw for a billion touchdowns uh, yeah. at Western Kentucky uh, and everything. But it's like you know, it's, it's a lot of spread offense and shotgun and all that kind of stuff. Stuff you don't see. You see some of that in the NFL, but not 99% of the time, no. like at Western Kentucky. And so he yeah. gets drafted in the fourth round. Like, oh, he, he, you know, he's going to, uh, you know, he's going to play for Belichick or he's going to back up Mac Jones if he makes the team or maybe he'll be on the practice squad, whatever. And they're like, oh, no, uh, you know, Brian Hoyer is going to have a cup of coffee on the field and he'll get hurt and bring – uh, Bailey Zappi in and, and he'll hit the ground running like he was he was the intended guy all along it's like damn right. it because yeah. he's also how well he's playing is hurting Justin Fields right, right now it's like this is a fourth round pick that was thrown yeah. into duty and he hits the ground running 300 yards and two touchdowns no picks uh, against the Browns this past uh, Sunday and everything yeah. and it's just like you know what is going on there that isn't happening here in Chicago and and all that kind of stuff, and it's just like it's it's kind of uh, it's made like you know Bears Twitter not a fun place to hang out when when those comparisons are being made, right? And I think part of it is that you know so much of it comes down to organizational stability, right? Mm-hmm. The Patriots, because they have Belichick and because they have Kraft, they're such a stable organization, and they have been for so long that even when guys come in and out. That they can that like they can figure it out, right? Tom Brady goes down in 08 and he's done for the year. The Patriots go eleven and five with Matt Castle a quarterback, right? right? Like they can figure things out. Twenty twenty, that team was an abomination in twenty twenty. That team was terrible. Mm-hmm. And Cam Newton couldn't throw the ball more than five yards downfield. And they went seven and nine somehow. Like it was insane that they finished seven and nine with just an absolute terrible roster. And then 2021, you know, you go 10 and you go 10 and seven with, with a rookie quarterback. And so it's like, you know, with the organizational stability, you're able to kind of overcome some of those things. And it's like a lot of franchises are looking for that organizational stability. They're looking for that coach that can bring that in where it's like, hey, the owner's on my side. The owner and I are getting along. We're figuring things out and we're building a culture here that guys can just come in and be successful, right? And you hear guys talk about it. You know, guys have been talking all week about things, right? Jalen Mills was talking about it. And, you know, um, uh, uh, Mac Jones, uh, not Mac Jones, I'm sorry, uh, Johnu Smith and Hunter Henry. And, like, you know, uh, Adrian Phillips was talking about it. And there's, like, you know, they're, like, I'm, I came to New England because I wanted to learn from Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's the coach, and I wanted to learn from him. And they, you're getting guys – it's a draw for free agents from your with your coach, which you don't get. Like that doesn't mm-hmm. happen in the NFL. But like Jalen Mills is like, hey, I think I can be a better player than I am right now. I'm gonna go play for Belichick. And then guess what happens? He comes in and looks pretty good. <laughs> and like and he was terrible in, in Philadelphia, right? So it's like, yeah, the coaching matters and that organization organizational stability matters so much. And it's like the Patriots have that. And so they're able to overcome some of those things, right? And a lot of these franchises are looking for that, and maybe they'll find it at some point, and maybe they won't, right? You never know. Like, if you hit it with a coach all of a sudden, and then, bam, like, you're good. You know, like, the Rams did it for a while with Sean McVay, and that, well, if that's going to be falling apart now or whatever, but, like, (laughs) 
But even if you can catch lightning in the bottle for a few years, you know, the Bills have it right now with Sean McDermott. Like, yeah. And, of course, if Josh Allen, which helps, obviously. But, like, when the coach can run things and you know that, like, you're comfortable with the coach and everything's going and the, and the culture is working, it's so important for your franchise that those things happen, right? And so it's like you can weather some of those storms that you're going to lose. Look at Kansas City. Kansas City lost Tyree Kill. They're still winning games. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I mean, no, they lost to Buffalo, but like they're still a good team and they lost their number one wide receiver, arguably one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL. And they got, you know, they got a first round pick back for him, but they didn't replace him with anyone. Right. So, you know, it's like, and they're just figuring it out because that's what they do because they're a good organization and they have, you know, they have Patrick Mahomes again, helps. Right. But like, but still when the organization is solid, it helps you f- overcome those, those shortcomings, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, they, they brought in a couple of guys to pr- to replace Tyreek Hill. You know, they brought in Schuster, right. Juju Smith Schuster. Well, they Juju, brought in you're right. you're right uh, what's his name from uh, from Green Bay. Uh, oh, well. NVS. He doesn't even count. That guy stinks. Right, but it's just like they <laughs> no, but inst- you're right. they yeah, didn't you're right. go a one for one when it's like okay, well we'll bring right. in this guy to replace Tyreek Hill. It's like now exactly. we're going to keep a couple of different guys that do different things to replace what we get all and in one with with Tyreek. Hundred percent. That's what Belichick did. Belichick lets J.C. Jackson walk, who got benched in, in L.A. last night. Yeah. And, you know, he brings in, you know, backup cornerbacks. He switches John Jones from the slot to the to the outside. Jack Jones, a rookie, starts playing really well. Marcus Jones is playing really well. Like, all of a sudden, you're looking at it like, oh, like, yeah, we brought in a few guys to compete, Malcolm Butler and, and, and uh, Mitchell, and they're both not on the team. <laughs> so it's like you know, these rookies stepped up and they were able to replace them just kind of in-house, right? And so it's like, it's kind of crazy how these teams are able to do that, you know? And how is it that Bilicek brings Matt Patricia in and makes him the offensive coordinator when he built his name on being a defensive guy? I mean, Belichick just yeah, just, just squeezes guys in where he's got a need and somehow yeah. those guys perform uh, for him because, I mean, he's... He's the one calling plays for Bailey Zappi, who is playing very well uh, right. right now. So it's just like maybe Patricia was trying to run the wrong side of the ball in Detroit, I guess. I don't know. Well, and if you look at the plays that he ran, it was an extremely well-called game on Sunday. And there's mm-hmm. been some question marks about the offense, and there always is question marks about the offensive play calling. It doesn't matter. Like when the Patriots are going 13-3 and three and 14-2 and two with, with Brady and McDaniels was the offense coordinator, people were bitching about the play calling anyways. Like it just <laughs> – complain about the play calling all the time but the touchdown pass to hunter henry was a third and one they're stacked up on the line thinking it's going to be a run they run a play action hunter henry's by himself and walks in for a touchdown you know like third and 10 at the 30 yard line they run a draw play to Ramondre stevenson and he breaks it for a touchdown right and so it's like those are plays that like those are good calls that he's making that you catch the other team sleeping, and bam, it's a touchdown, right? And both of those are fairly easy touchdowns. And so you look at it and just think, like, you know, the the play calling's been a lot better than what people thought it was going to be, certainly when we went into the season. Like, people were very worried about Matty P. Um, but, you know, it is interesting. I mean, even when you coach defense, like, when you coach defense, you have to study the offense. So yeah. you should know, theoretically, how an offense runs. And Belichick does that, like, he switches guys back and forth. Like he'll make you play. He'll make you coach someone on offense. Even if you're a defensive coach, he'll make you coach an offensive positional group and then switch you back to defense because he wants you to see both sides of it. 
So, and he's famous for doing that. And and Matty P was, you know, an assistant offensive line coach for a while before he moved back over the defense. So, yeah, I mean, the only other time that I can think of that, like I I knew somebody switched from one side of the ball to the other was uh, the Bears' old offensive line coach Juan Castillo was coaching mm-hmm. the offensive line in Philly under Andy Reid for years, and then there was an opening at defensive coordinator. Now Juan Castillo's the defensive coordinator and it obviously yeah. it didn't go well because he went back to coaching uh, offensive linemen but that was just like how did how did he v- convince Andy Reid to let him do that to just abandon the offensive line where he's made his name and is a you know a, a widely you know accepted coach at that position yeah. to being defensive coordinator that must have been a, a hell of a drinking session when he got Andy Reid to figure out the you know, to, to go ahead and let Juan Castillo do that uh, kind of thing. So <laughs> That's a big jump. Yeah, man. but to bring Matricia back, I mean, we've seen Belichick do that all the time. If uh, a guy leaves and you bring him back to the organization like McDaniels and, and whatnot, it's like, yeah, okay, it, it makes sense that he would go back to New England and everything, but uh, didn't think that his role would be calling plays uh, on the, for the offense when he was the defensive coordinator, and that's what got him the job in Detroit in the first place. It's funny, and and it's not just one castaway; it's two because Joe Judge, right, is yeah, there coaching the quarterback. So it's like the two of them, the two castoffs, are you know are basically running the offense. And through six games, I mean, there's been some hiccups here and there, but it's looked pretty darn good, you know. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the the offense outside of uh, Bailey Zappi. You mentioned Stevenson, you know, running the football. Obviously, John o. Smith, uh, Hunter Henry, probably one of the better tight end tandems uh, in the league, especially when they're healthy uh, and yep. everything. But who who do we have to worry about in the, the wide receiving uh, core besides so, Devontae Parker? Yeah, and so Parker's there, and I like Parker. But, you know, Kendrick Bourne, we'll see what happened with Bourne. Bourne did leave with an injury on Sunday. Not sure how serious the injury is. We didn't really hear much about it. Um, I'll be interested to see what the, pro- what the uh, practice participation looks like tomorrow to really kind of see what, where that's headed. Um, but Tyquan Thornton, man, you know, rookie court, rookie wide receiver, had scored two touchdowns. And the thing about him is that, you know, they say you can't teach speed. You obviously can't. I mean, the guy flies, right. which is great. I mean, you watch his, you know, if you watch that jet sweep, it looks like the defenders are running in slow motion. He's going so fast. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, he's really fast. But what impresses me most about Tyquan Thornton, he catches that touchdown pass. I think it was a four-yard touchdown pass. His ability to separate and get off of press man coverage in a tight in tight quarters like that is impressive. That's not something you can see, especially from guys that are quote-unquote burners. He's got better footwork than people gave him credit for. The fact that he was, I mean, a lot of draft sites had him as a fourth, fifth-round pick. The fact that they were so far off base with him, it made no sense to me. I, mean, I was telling people after the draft, I watched zero seconds of film on Tyquan Thornton. Zero. Because I was like, this guy went out and blew up the combine and then is still a fifth-round pick? He must suck. Like, he must be terrible. He's a track guy. Like, I'm not even going to bother. Like, you know, and then Peter Schaffer in the second round, and I'm like, what the hell? And I put the film on, and I'm like, wait a second. He's not a track guy. He's, like, actually a good wide receiver that's just really fast. And it was like, what, what would these – you know, what were these quote unquote draft in was looking at, you know, and obviously the Patriots felt that other, other people were going to try to jump on him. 
it was just bizarre. The narrative around Tyquan Thornton was very strange going into the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, even then after the draft where people are questioning the pick, but you see the the technical ability that he has to get open and to get open in those tight spaces. That's something that is tough to do for a guy that, you know, is pretty lanky and is and is known as like a fast guy. He brings some of that technical stuff to the to the position that you might not expect to see from from someone like him, and it it impressed the heck out of me. I know when I was watching him, and you, know, you watch him in preseason and stuff, and he looked like he can get open. And then, you know, my goodness, at some point, if you don't keep a safety over the top of him, at some point he's going to go for an eighty yard touchdown because he can he can separate real quick. And if there's no safety over the top and the quarterback's looking, and that's an easy touchdown. And yeah. so. You know, he's a guy that I think I'm really excited to see. Um, and I just think if Bourne is healthy, assuming that Kendrick Bourne is healthy, and of course, Jacoby Myers is, the, Jacoby Myers is their best wide receiver. Um, but, you know, for me, if I'm looking at three wide receiver sets, I'm looking at keep Taekwon, and Taekwon I may not play every single play, but I want a four-man rotation of Myers, Bourne, Parker, and Thornton. That's what I want. That's my four. I think, you know, Myers is essentially your number one because he can get open so effortlessly. He's a guy that, like, Jacoby Myers is one of the weirdest guys ever because he's not fast. He's not particularly big. He just, like, gets open. He just knows how to get open against pretty much anyone. So right. he can get he can get open against anyone, which is just weird because you're like, well, he's not fast, and he's not huge, and he's not super quick, but he's, like, somehow he works in the slot. It just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense. So he, like, defies all logic. So... But that's you know that's what you want to see, and I just think Thornton is a guy that can create problems because he has so much speed. You have to worry about him going over the top, and so you have to devote a safety over the top. You have to, or you have to give him space at, at the very least, and so it allows him to kind of get open in other ways. I think the Patriots wide receiving core people were were crapping all over the Patriots wide receiving core, and I have a ton of receipts. I got a whole lot of receipts uh, <laughs> that I that I will be blasting out there, assuming the Patriots continue to play well for the next week or two. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think they got a lot of hate going into the season, and they're a lot better than people expected. I th- well, I think it's 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 always been interesting watching the Patriots on offense. You know, I mean, you had Brady all those all those years, and it was like Brady – and Gronk, and then this interchangeable cast of characters that right. came in one after another. You know, it started with Troy Brown, and then they brought in Dorsett, and then they brought in this guy, and uh, you know that one guy that ran for four touchdowns against the Colts, and then got fired right. the, next, yep. the week after that, and overslept, yeah, 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 overslept or whatever it was, and like, oh, okay, well, we don't need you anymore. You, we got the best of you out of this, you know, Sunday night game or Monday night game or whatever it was, and he was. Never heard from again. So, you know, it's but it's it's always kind of been that. It's like Brady and Gronk were the constant, and then it was always just this interchangeable cast, and you guys are still scoring, you know, points and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it really just kind of all does come down to coaching with uh with Belichick. I mean, he's that's why he's the GOAT as far as that right. goes. And and pretty soon he'll have the uh he'll have the win total to to back it up, I mean, how far behind is he with Shula now? Well, so he actually tied Hallis. Right, I know that. Yeah, Sunday. so he so can. He's, he's twenty three wins behind Shula. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he there is 
almost a 0% chance that he'll retire before he passes through. I just think, like, Don Chula had some really nasty things to say about the Patriots um, towards the end of his life, just some really nasty things to say about Belichick and the Patriots, you know, basically calling them Cheatriots and saying that they cheated all the time and, like, just gross stuff. Um, And I would imagine that Bill didn't take too kindly to that and and will not retire until he passes them. And I don't blame him, and and he... he deserves the number one spot. He, he does. does. He's, yeah. he's the best coach of all time. He deserves the number one spot. So I hope he gets it. And then, you know, beating the Bears to take to overtake House would be really cool. I mean, he's just such a historian of the game. I mean, I don't know if you if you heard this or not, but after the game yesterday, not yesterday, I keep saying yesterday, after the game on Sunday, he you know he's in the locker room with his team with the team, and he says, "Listen, before you leave, I want you to walk back on the field." And I want you to look up at the names up there. Look at Jim Brown and look at the all the other names up there and think about the history of this game and the and the integration of this game mm. and and what these guys did for the sport of football that we're playing. And it's not just and, and like that's the type of stuff for me that like that gives me that stuff gives me goosebumps about yeah, yeah. because he loves the game so much and he wants to teach the the whole game, right? And the appreciation of the game, the appreciation of the people that came before them, right? I think him more than anyone else in the league, he appreciates the people that have came come before him so much mm-hmm. um, that it's really cool. You know, it's it's pretty cool that that for him to have the opportunity to pass Hallis against the Bears, I think is a really cool opportunity for him that, you know, he can spend 10 minutes talking about how how unbelievable George Hallis was and not even mention himself. Like and that that to me is cool because he really is a historian of the game, you know? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean I I've always I've always respected Belichick to to the detriment of Brady. Because right. I just I just thought for years that, you know, look at what they did even in the short term when they when Brady was right. hurt or when he was suspended yeah. or whatever, they won without him. So right. that's why I was like when Brady goes to Tampa Bay, good luck with that. You know, know. it's like I I respected Brady as far as like him being a good quarterback, but him being able to do it without Belichick was like, there's no way there's I, I, I didn't see that happening at all. And of course, I got to eat well, a lot of crow. Turns out, one. turns out it's it's easy to win with good players. Yes. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And so it's just, you know, and then sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle and that's what Tampa Bay did. But Tampa, right. I mean, they're on the man, way out this year, but it's, this year, man, it's funny when you when you look at it. But I do think that. I, it's funny you say that. I, I think it's fifty-one forty-nine or fifty, mm-hmm. close, awfully close to fifty-fifty. I think you know, without Brady, I think Belichick might might get a Super Bowl or two. And without Belichick, I think Brady might get a Super Bowl or two. Mm-hmm. But you know, they they would never be the greatest of all time. I mean, shoot, Brady was a six-round draft pick. There's not there's not even a, a you know a guarantee that he even gets a shot if not for Belichick, right? So, like, you know, maybe he would have, but maybe he wouldn't have. If he gets in a different situation, you never know, you know? So it's like, you know, you just you just don't know sometimes what, you know, where that comes from. So it's it's interesting. But Yeah. All right. So Monday night, uh, what's it going to take for my guys to pull this thing off and, 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 and protect Hallis' lead for one more uh, week? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me offensively for the Bears, it's going to be running the ball and it's going to be, you know, Justin Fields playing the game of his life, whether it's throwing the ball, whether it's running the ball, you know, using his arm or using his legs. I just think it's going to take something Herculean from Fields or 
it's going to take the Patriots completely imploding offensively and not being able to run the ball and turn the ball over and making careless and lazy mistakes. Like, you know, they're not, the Patriots are are, a pretty good team, but they're not like this amazing team that's going to steamroll any team they play. That's just not who they are, right? And so everyone will look at the Bears and say, well, the Bears stink, and so the Patriots should kill them. And like, well, yeah, I mean, I think that the Patriots should beat the Bears. Mm -hmm. But if they don't play a good game and they, and they, you know, what we've seen now, and even the past two weeks now, you've seen the Patriots commit offensive penalties deep in the red zone or or on the fringe of the red zone that push them out of field goal range and or push them out of, you know, a third and two situation now becomes a third and seven situation. Now it becomes a lot harder. So it's like you just can't do those things on a consistent basis. And if you do them enough and you start turning the ball over and you make some of those mistakes, you can take a game that you should probably win and it becomes a loss, right? And so it's it's going to take the Patriots playing poorly and I think the Bears playing well mm-hmm. is really kind of where is where but like that could absolutely happen, right? And so if they both play their best game, I think the Patriots win, sure. right? But yeah. it's like, you know, but I do think that the Bears have enough. And again, Fields is that X factor where like he hasn't really shown a ton. The Bears haven't really kind of let him show a ton. Right. But I would think, and and listen, you know it, and I know it. The the Patriots are going to show up and say we're going to make Justin Fields beat us. Yeah. Well, if you're the Bears, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you go into this game thinking the Patriots are going to make Justin Fields beat them? So why don't we plan the game plan for Justin Fields to beat them? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, don't you think that? Wouldn't that make sense? It right. Does. We're going to go into yeah. the game thinking we're going to throw the ball forty times, and we might lose because Justin Fields can't do that. But, like, we also haven't seen him do it. You never know. He might be able to do it. Right. And that's going to be our best chance of winning this game, you know? Yeah, the way that I was thinking was, you know, straight up, no mistakes, everybody plays a clean game, the Patriots win the game. Um, right. What it's going to take for the Bears to win, what I think, is going to be those things you don't plan for. You know, like yep. a punt return for a touchdown, in a pick mm-hmm. six, a fumble, something right. like that, those you know, those intangibles that you don't plan for in a game, those disasters that you want to avoid, I think is what's going to help get the Bears over the hump uh, in this one. Because I they just haven't, in the first six weeks, played well enough to be like, you know, straight up at any given Sunday, they can win this game. It's like, no, it's, it's going to take a little extra than their best in order to win uh, the game. Because I just sat through a game last Thursday where I watched the Bears outplay Washington and Washington made four plays out of eighty, and that's all it took yeah. for them to win the game. So and that that game, man, was so. I mean, it was an awful game, but yeah. like it was so Harper. I mean, for for um, what's his name to make that catch, um, Mooney to make that catch, yeah, but not make the catch clean, right? So that even so that by the time he actually catches it. He's outside of the end zone instead of inside the end zone, and you lose the game. And I think if they had reviewed it, they probably would have been out of bounds. But still, you lose the game by half a yard, yeah. and it's like, come on, man! Right. Like, just like this, just like rips your soul out. Yeah, to but lose like I like, said, I've you know? I've I've listed the plays over and over. My my listeners are probably <laughs> sick of hearing it, but it's just like four plays for Washington. Right. Jonathan right. Allen, uh, you know, catching the ball when Fields skipped it off somebody's head. Uh, in the right. first quarter, that's one play. 
Yeah. Uh, when the Bears were in the red zone on the next drive, uh, the linebacker wins the one-on-one against Herbert uh, at the goal line. So they turned him away. Yeah. That's the play they made. Number three, they recovered Valus Jones' fumble when he muffed the punt. And then number four, Brian Robinson runs it in for the game-winning touchdown. Those four plays, that is the difference in the game. And the Bears you know, we're pretty much better than Washington on every other play in the game, except for those four plays. And that was enough to get Washington the win. So, I mean, that's why I'm saying the, you know, the inverse, it's going to take four plays like that for the bears to beat the Patriots uh, on Monday. Cause I don't think we're good enough to just do it straight up. Yeah. Now how pissed are you about Vales Jones? Like I just, I can't imagine. I mean, you would think, right? The guy's like 27. You would think he'd have the veteran savvy to not make plays like that. Well, you know. But it the, seems like he turns the ball over every, the one, every game. The one on Thursday is 50-50 because it, it, it was clear that he was, I, I think he's pressing, you know. Like, I think he, right. and especially in that situation uh, and everything like that, he's got a lot to answer for for the one that he fumbled in New York against the Giants. But then... Here we are. We need a play. We need something to happen. Right. It, it, it was obvious to me that he was like running towards the football. And then the Soldier Field turf monster jumped up and got him, which is what caused him to trip. Because when he finally makes contact with the football, he's on his knees. He is literally yeah. on his knees trying to catch the ball because he tripped. The turf came out from underneath him because the Chicago Park District takes such great care of the turf <laughs> in Soldier Field. We've got a reputation for it. He's yeah. on his knees, so instead of hitting him in the chest, it hits him in the face, fumble, Washington recovers, and then you know the game is over a couple plays later when they score that touchdown uh, and everything. But it's just, you know, we waited until week four to finally see him take the field from a hamstring injury that pretty much ruined the preseason for him. And then right. his first introduction to being a Chicago Bear in live action is to fumble the punt that we needed. Uh, we were down 20-12. to 12. He muffs the punt we give it back to him, game over, that's it, kind of thing. Uh, he, he scores his first touchdown against the Vikings a week later. And the, I think what's more frustrating is how we're not using him right now because they talk about the speed, we, you know, how many clips I saw during training camp when he was healthy of Justin Fields hitting him on 70-yard plays where the defender right. is five yards behind him. It was like, so why isn't that in the playbook right now? Why aren't we doing that with this guy that was so fast and, you know, and all yeah. that kind of stuff? It's, it's, that's what's more frustrating than what Valus Jones is actually giving us because he's not getting all the opportunities I thought he was going to get. I thought he was going to be a big part of the offense when he was finally healthy. And I'm hoping that we're taking this time to be like, you know what? Maybe he shouldn't return punts right now. Maybe we should get him more integrated with the offense, and then he'll have the confidence. Then maybe we can let him go out there and do something Devin Hester-ish in the punt game You know, a week or two from now when, when we finally got him integrated in the offense and he's a valuable player for us. I mean, you drafted him in the third round, the first offensive player Ryan Pohl selects, and you're not using him. You're just flat out not using him right now. Yeah, it just makes no sense. And it's funny because Marcus Jones – who Patriots have a billion Joneses on their team, so <laughs> Bayless Jones would have fit right in. But Marcus Jones goes 14 picks later, and he was like my draft crush. And, you know, similar player, obviously defensive instead of offensive, but similar player, and he's a great return man, had nine return touchdowns. And Miles Bryant was out there returning punts for the first few games, and we're all like, he's out there muffing punts, and we're like, what is going on right now? Just put, And they put Marcus Jones back there, and he – 
right away is like, whoa. Like you look at <laughs> he just looks like a really good return man. And so of course, like at some point I'm I just I'm just like praying it doesn't happen. But at some point I'm like I just have I love him so much that I'm like at some point he's just gonna do something stupid and it's gonna cost them and like I'm gonna be so upset about it. But like maybe he won't. But it's just like you know, if that's your game and you're the and you're the punt return guy, it's awfully difficult not to, you know, and now he's starting to play defense and stuff, so it's just, you know, it's funny when you start looking at it and you're like, these guys that have these have this like speed. He has like game breaking speed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just put him in that position. Why are you not putting him in that spot? Yeah. Right? Like, just put him out there and like like you said, just have him run sixty yards downfield. And maybe Fields throws it to him, maybe he doesn't, but at least then a safety's gotta go with him and then, then maybe someone else is open. You right. know, like do something. You know, right. you got the guy. You might as well do it, you know. It's so easy on you know, when you know, the armchair quarterbacking and everything, right. you know. Right. But what was that was what was most frustrating about the Nagy era is that I would have a thought like that and then I would listen to every other podcast and talking head show. All of them saying the same thing. Why aren't the Bears right. doing this? Why are they using fields this way? Blah, blah, blah. And, that, and then it would just it would make me even more mad right. that from right. like the top analysts, the guys that paid millions of dollars to make these you know points and, and bring this stuff up all the way down to me, the fat guy on the couch, we're all in agreement as to what the Bears should be doing. Right. How is it so obvious to all of us? And yet the one person who should be thinking of this is oblivious to the whole thing. But that's also why he's the quarterback coach in Kansas City and not coaching the Bears uh, anymore. That is correct. As well. So, yeah. Well, Pat, you know, this has been great. I've been really enjoying having you on over in the summer and again uh, tonight. Uh, Where can we keep up with you guys uh, in the meantime? Hear what the the other half have, uh, the other side has to say about us. Yeah, Um, thank you. I I appreciate it. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I did enjoy talking to you over the summer, and here we are again. and you know, best of luck this season. Not not on Monday. Not but on best Monday, of, luck of course. This season. Um, but uh, but yeah, you can find me on patspulpit.com. I got an article coming out, um, hopefully in the next day or two, about uh, the one of the trades that the Patriots made this off season during the draft. Um, I follow kind of. I love like to follow the little like trees. Belichick does that where he'll like make a trade and he'll get a pick in the trade and then he'll trade that pick for like other picks and I'm like, oh, they got this guy and that guy and they did trade. <laughs> I love doing that stuff. So yeah, yeah. So uh, so I got one of those coming out um, this week and then you know we have we have our our podcast, the Patriot Nation podcast. We're live uh, every Wednesday and then we come out on podcast form uh, on the Pat's Public feed every Friday. So, And then we do an instant reaction podcast right after the game, too. So I will be at the game on Monday night, but we will have one with my co-host and another guy as well uh, nice. right after the game. So um, I'm sure your listeners will probably listen to Bears stuff, but you know, if you if if the Patriots kill them and you don't want to listen to the Bears people complaining, you can listen, turn, tune into the Patriots stuff and listen to us at yeah, least man, talk just, about good stuff. You know just I mean? take it easy on us because our last trip out to Foxborough was an absolute nightmare, highlighted yeah, bad, yeah. highlighted by Lamar Houston celebrating a sack and blowing out his ACL at the 50 yard line. That was That's uh, right. Oh my, that? down by like 25 points. It was right? way more than that actually, but but. <laughs> It was. It wasn't even Brady that he sacked. It was Garoppolo. Oh, he sacks Garoppolo. Lord. We're down thirty something points. He's Jesus. celebrating like he shut him down on third and and then he one, tore it. That's right. Stepped that's right. A, made a funny oh, step and then Lord. falls down. And it's just like, whoop! That's the last of Lamar Houston for twenty fourteen. Unbelievable. That's so embarrassing. Yeah. So Jesus. and that yeah, was, was a, the. Was that Cutler? Was that Cutler year? Must yeah. have been, right? Well, you know what? The funny thing about that game is that Cutler. 
made the throw of the game. He like really roped one into Martellus Bennett for a touchdown. I mean, not that it mattered. It was like 55 to 21 or right. something like that. Uh, right. It was the final score uh, of that one. But it was just like, as far as highlights, it's like, damn, that was an awesome throw yeah. he made to Martellus Bennett. Meanwhile, Gronk is making everybody miss say, tackles and he's rumbling down yeah. field and, you know, pushing guys off like they're nothing. And it's like, man, what a, <laughs> What a nightmare that game was. And that was oh, our man. game before the bye. And then on the other side of the bye, we uh, we lost 55-14 to 14 to the Packers on Sunday Night Football where Rodgers oh, threw six Lord. touchdown passes in the first half. We're down Jeez. 42 nothing at halftime. It's like, just shoot me now. How is it that <laughs> Tressman had a job in the second half? Why did he even return to the oh, field? He gave up 50 to Belichick and the Packers before the bye. We had two weeks to get ready for Green Bay, and we're down 42 nothing at halftime. This is unreal. It was, it was, it was unreal. So that's some of those things, some of those times when you're like, yeah. how in the world did that even happen? Like, how do we let that even happen? Like over you know? and over again, bro. Jeez. Over and over. I know. And that's, and that's the same thing. It's like, you're still looking for the guy eight years later. You're yeah. still looking for that coach, you know, still so looking for the coach to, you know, we think we have the quarterback, but he doesn't have yep. the supporting cast to prove it uh, right now right. And, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a man fun time. Fun times, man. Yeah. Awesome. So, well, hopefully it turns around. Hey, you never know. Listen, it can only go up, right? It can only get better. One would hope. You would think. Yeah. Your list right? of God's I mean, ears, maybe brother. not because you look around some of the teams of the league and you're like, oh, man, that team's really bad. <laughs> no, so, it actually can't stay as bad as it is now and even, in fact, get worse, you know. <laughs> you know. You know. Well, hopefully I, it doesn't. I.e. the Owen, what, the o, o, 10 and one Lions from last year and oh, my every, everything else. So, yeah. And they're still terrible. The Lions are still terrible. It's amazing. At least they're fun. Yeah. These are fun to watch, right? Yeah. Like, you know, at least the Bears, like, you, you just hope, right? Even if you suck, like, it just at least make the games enjoyable. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what I was saying, man. Coming into the year, it's just like, you know, I, 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 you know it, it may sound crazy, but with so many times under Nagy, I walked away angry from victories. Right. You know, like we 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 won, but it's just like there was nothing to be happy about winning right. the game. It's yeah. like I actually this year. Knowing that we're probably not going to be a playoff team, knowing that we're probably going to lose more than we win, I want to feel good about the losses. I want to walk yeah. away from a loss, be like, you know what? We saw a lot of good things in this game that we can build on to move forward with and things right. like that. I right. want to have, you know, review episodes where I'm talking about the games that way instead of, you know, the winning football games just barely by the skin of our teeth or playing poorly against a bad team. You know, it's like, right. yeah, we beat the Texans, but. It literally on the last play of the game, we kick a field goal to win against the team. We should have beat by two scores and, right. and things like that. So, well, and that's you know that's the old Jaguars thing. With Jaguars have been favored like three times in the last like however many years, and it's all been against the Texans, and they've lost all those games. Like it's just like for Christ's sake, like yeah. you know, like what are we doing here? You know, so yeah. it's yeah, so. you know, but hopefully it gets turned around. Hopefully Fields is the guy. Yeah. And, you know, and by next year, you guys are, you know, because, listen, Aaron Rodgers is getting real old real quick. So, <laughs> yeah. like, and Jordan Love stinks. Yeah. He stinks. So, like, you never know. Yeah. You never know. Could be. In a year or two, it could be it could be the Vikings and the, the Vikings and the Bears. You never know. You knock you know? on wood, man. I, that's what I'm hoping. Um, you know, so, um, I, I want to see progress and I want to see growth in 2022. And then I want to see us. Take the North and not give it back in 2023. So that's right. that's what hey. I'm uh, 
That's what gets me out of bed in the right? morning, Pat. That's, That's it, what gets me right? out of bed. That's just it. hope. Just That's hope. It. There it is. Gotta just have, have the hope, and it's good, you know? So, All right, Pat Lane, everybody. Where can we find you on Twitter, man? Uh, it's at P Lane underscore Pats on there Twitter. We go. So I'm always willing to talk Patriots or just random football or Marvel or pretty much anything. Hey, there you go. Mar- what did you think of so, She-Hulk? I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. I had fun. It wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't great. Right. But, like, I enjoyed myself. I like, and sometimes, like, it's okay for a show to just be fun yeah. and not be anything more than that. Like, it's all right. If you're going to give me a million different properties, let me just have fun mm-hmm. on a few of them. Like, that's, you know, like, and people are like, oh, it's corny and it's that. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, it's okay. It's yeah. a, it's a superhero show. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be, like, huge stakes and stuff. Yeah. It can just be fun sometimes, you know? Exactly. And the Daredevil episode was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. So good. Good stuff. I mean, what would she say? Like, uh. What the heck would she say? Like I, I, uh, what she's uh, not breakdown, but yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I smash things like the fourth wall and and sometimes you know, Matt Murdock. Something else sometimes <laughs> Matt Murdock. I'm like, let's go. Like, come on. Like, that's a great line, you know? Yeah, that was good stuff. So, all right, Pat. So uh, I'm gonna get you out of here, or else we'll never stop right, talking. Thanks so much, Thanks, man. Larry. Appreciate good luck it. on Monday. All right. Thank you. Same right, to take you. Take care. Take care. As always, I want to thank my guest, Pat Lane, from the Patriot Nation podcast and uh, Pat's Pulpit uh, from SB Nation. If you want to check out any of his columns uh, there, give it uh, a look. Uh, always enjoy this part of uh, podcasting is meeting the people from the other team. You know, you think that because they, uh, they don't root for your team that you might not get along, but because they love their team the same way I love mine, there's this kind of shared understanding, you know, like mutual respect because we've got the same skin in the game when it comes to our teams. It's always a, always been a nice um, byproduct of, uh, of doing this and, and meeting all these different people that I get to talk to uh, every year and doing these, these interviews to try to, to try to learn more about our opponents week in uh, and week out. So really enjoyed having them on the show. Look forward to doing it again in the future. Keys to the game. What's it going to take for our beloved to win this football game? Uh, the first one of of the three keys is more of a a wish than and than anything that they need to do in order to win. And uh, that one thing is, I need for this team to be the opposite of every Matt Nagy led team during the Matt Nagy era, coming off of a buy or a mini buy. Every time the Bears had a break, whether it was the ten day break from a Thursday night game to the game to their next Sunday or Monday night game or the actual bye week where they had two weeks to prepare for their next opponent, week in, year in and year out, buy in and buy out every single time, we looked like we just got together to prepare for the game the day of the game. We looked disorganized, we looked flat, we looked uninspired, we did not look ready to play every single time. And Nagy's record in those games was atrocious. I think in the, what, 8-10 to you know, either mini buys or bye weeks that we had under Matt Nagy, maybe we won two of those games. I mean, I think we were 0 for, 0 for 4 on the um, actual bye weeks when we had two weeks. We lost every single one of those games, if I'm not mistaken. Every single one coming off the bye. And as far as like, buy, you know, like the mini buys, I think we 
Like, I remember after we played the Thursday nighter against Green Bay to start 2019, we beat the Broncos week two. And I think there was one other time that we won the game, but we played on, I think we played two Thursday night games, well, two Thursday games in 2019 because we had the opener on Thursday night. And then I think we played uh, Thanksgiving against the Lions. And I think we lost after the Thanksgiving game or something like that. So, you know, we only won like two of those. We, We just showed up flat in every one of those game so I just for the last I just want us to show up to play uh, on Monday night you know doesn't mean we have to win but I would like for us to not have to wait until the third quarter for the team to actually like wake up and start playing football I don't want us to wait until halftime to make adjustments to figure out how it is we want to attack uh, the Patriots I, I don't want us playing in the first half like we didn't know what to expect so we were just trying to throw everything up against the wall to see what stuck kind of thing I want us to be prepared I want us to be ready to go. I want us to act like a football team that's had a few extra days to get ready for this one. So that's the first thing I want to see. The other thing on defense is I want to see us being more aggressive with takeaways. I want to see uh, you know guys attack, like somebody's got the, the ball carrier wrapped up. I want to see the next couple of guys coming in trying to punch the ball out. And the reason for that is we need to try to create opportunities to either score points on defense or at the very least give more opportunities to our offense. The more opportunities we have with the football, the more likely we are uh, to score. And we're going to need every chance that we can get against this Patriot team uh, on Monday night. And then finally, Bill Belichick has always had a a gift, for for lack of a better term, um, to do everything possible to take away whatever it is your team does best. And in our case, our team is really good at running the football. So I imagine that when the Bears take the field offensively, Bill Belichick is going to have some kind of look or formation or something like that that's going to be designed to take out our running game. So what I would like for us to do is to lean into that. He wants to dare us to throw the football. I say put the ball in Justin Fields' hands and let's see what happens. I would I would much rather see us do that and even if only it results in you know us and our pension for throwing the ball it you know forces Belichick and the Patriots to lighten up in the box you know maybe not load up the box so much so that we do have the room to run the ball you know cuz it's going to be very difficult to run the ball with eight or nine guys in the box, clogging up every running lane that our running backs could use. But maybe after a few, a few receptions, maybe even a big play uh, or two, they will back up off that line of scrimmage, which will open lanes up for our running backs to run through. So that would be what I would like to see. If they're daring us to, if they're daring us to throw the ball, then let's throw the ball. Let's go ahead and do it. See if that works. See if that can help us you know, clear out the box a little bit so we can run the football and really go after them. So that's what I like to see. I want to see more aggressiveness on defense, trying to attack the football, trying to create those takeaways so that we can get the ball back, give more opportunities to our offense, and see if that's something that could be a recipe for success uh, against this team. So there you have it, guys. Keys to the game. And that's going to do it for week number seven's preview Come back on Monday, or excuse me, actually, it's going to be a busy week. I'm not really even sure how to do this because because the Bears play on Monday, 
the review episode would come out on Tuesday, but so would the NFL uh, review episode. So I'm going to have to figure out how that's going to happen. So in that case, keep an eye on the social media to see which one drops first, uh, which one will come out first. Will it be the Bears review or the NFL review, or will I drop them both at the same time? Who knows? But um, anyway, keep an eye out for it on the social media at BTU underscore Larry on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can always join the Facebook group Bears Talk Underground on Facebook. So that is going to do it, guys. Until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been Bears Talk Underground. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts Fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you if you want to get your hands on this T-shirt. And then finally, you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys. I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstalk Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink, and thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast.